I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tarvalin or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. You read too much, she said sharply, and understand too little. <laughs> Snap! <laughs> that is from page 99 of The Shadow Rising. <laughs> Same? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. It seemed apt. It's relatable, relatable. So as you might know, we are rereading the Wheel of Time books in advance of the TV show adaptations release. We're talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And we don't have any pre-discussion notes mm -mm. today, so we're just going to dig right into it. I can't believe we are on book four. It's truly wild. Like, it feels like we just started this podcast yes. like a month ago, even though we started it now almost 10 months ago. Is that right? We started in like November yeah. of 2020, oh, yeah. which seems like a wild time to start anything. <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like that whole month is such a blur. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we decided to do this in like a fit of like, I don't even know what. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I feel like I feel like there were such things as pandemic projects. Except yeah. none of them looked like what I thought they were going to look like. <laughs> like the <laughs> things I thought I was going to do are not what I ended up doing. And then things like starting a whole new podcast that included rereading like 17 books is not something I would have predicted that I would do. But here we are. So here, here we are <laughs> on book four of oh, The wait. Wheel of Time. I know what happened. There was like a casting announcement or something for the show. And we lost our minds. And that in, sounds right. And when and in the process of losing our minds, we were like, we should start a podcast so we can yell about this. And here we are. That's what <laughs> happened. Well, here we are in <laughs> August 2021. Still in a pandemic for the record. Still, it's still a pandemic project. It this, is. It is. Uh, a a pand pando podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I think it's fair to say that these eight chapters recapitulate some of the pacing problems we had at the start of book three, mm -hmm. although at least they switch perspectives. Like, I feel like that first episode of chapter or of book three, rather, was all Perrin yes. and you were like ready to do a murder. And at yes. least we got different perspectives in this section. We did. But <laughs> so this entire section, so I read all of it today because <laughs> I'm great at procrastinating. <laughs> um, this whole section is 173 pages, like for the most, like chapter eight ends on page 173. The first chapter is 50 pages. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the chapter divisions are nonsense. <laughs> like ridiculous. Ridiculous. That first chapter, I was sitting like outside of some coffee shop waiting for my sister to get her haircut. And I'm like sitting outside and I must have looked like like I if I had seen me from the outside, I'd been like, what is that girl doing? Because <laughs> I like was reading and I was like, oh my God. Like every perspective after after Min, obviously, but every POV we get in that first chapter, I was like, you're just are you just putting all of the like POVs of people we hate in one chapter? I mean, basically the answer is yes. Oh. 
That's how that felt. That's how that chapter felt. I have some I have some objections to stuff that happens in the min section as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's dig in. Okay. So, so the last book ended pretty pretty wildly and (laughs) (laughs) with like Rand getting Calendor and everybody's in tear tear whatever and Matt is like the fuck is happening <laughs> and then the book ends <laughs> yeah yeah that's that is correct an accurate summary <laughs> uh and so this first chapter i was like wait where are we when are we um, yeah same and the whole the way it starts to starts very prologue not yeah. first chaptery right, right there's no prologue in this but p.s yeah there's no, there's prologue. no prologue and so but it felt we get, like, like three pages of the wind <laughs> yes and also that like time is fake which i love yes. like this this whole first section is just being like time isn't real it just keeps going <laughs> and sometimes it'll go again <laughs> right so min is in tarvalin and I was like, wait, where has she been? I literally don't know the answer to that question. Like, was she still in Falme? Like, has she been traveling from Falme this whole time? I think so, right? I think the implication is from the point that Moiraine sent her on her way before she, Perrin, and Lan went after Rand, Min has been traveling to Tarvalin. Yeah. Time definitely has no meaning. So, okay, so she finally gets to Tarvalin, and Moiraine has given her the instructions. Like, she's supposed to go straight to the Amaralyn seat, and she's not supposed to let anybody see her. Like, it's, like, top secret. So she is trying to, like, disguise herself. She's wearing a dress. She's got her hood up. And she's, like, not telling anybody who she is. And she uses this... uh, custom i guess that says that any woman can come and request an audience directly with the emerlin and like most people either don't know or like are not like ballsy enough to do it but she's gonna do it Um, yeah and and this whole setup of her waiting gives us more of like people don't like are kind of afraid of the white tower and men don't come here it's like kind of bringing back that binary that jordan loves so much which is really frustrating yeah and in the meantime as she's waiting she's seeing all these eyes to die go past Ooh, and she's this seeing great, these this is great this is the best part of this section as far as i'm concerned she's seeing these like really grisly visions like there's blood on faces and she's like can tell that people are gonna die or be like she sees a, a shanshan collar around mm-hmm. the necks of Ooh. one of the women Ooh. and she knows because i guess this is how her sort of gift works that it's all going to happen on the same day. And she's like, oh my God, I don't know when, but something horrible is going to go down. Yeah, so she's like getting these visions of people. There's also a lot of people there and she's trying to like keep herself hidden and she's frustrated and she's, we we see some more misplaced anger because she's like mad at Rand about it, (laughs) which is pretty standard at this point. Yeah. Um, But she like finally gets, she's like, (laughs) Uh, goes to the person, asks for her right to see the Amarillin, and she says, my name is Elmendretta. Which I think we're supposed to understand is her full name, yes, but she hates it. But she hates it. It's a rough name. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rough. lot. It's I get it. For, for someone like Min, yeah, I can see how she would be like, do not call me Elmendretta. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> uh, there's actually an interesting through line between Fail and Min. 
Mm-hmm. And yes. like names for like women who are supposed to be uh, pampered and pretty mm-hmm. and sort of like adored and lying around being fed grapes or something. And that's not who they are. But I also there's like this really intense emphasis on like, well, a woman with a name like that should be X. And it's like yeah. nobody else has that attached to their names. Like, it's why very is this weird. Such a thing? Like, we don't know what parent means and nobody gives a shit. So like, why is this a thing? Gender binaries, that's why. Gen- yeah, gender <laughs> binaries. Um, so she's asking this. She's seeing more people, like more visions, one of whom is uh, Shariam. Oh, yeah. Which is our mistress of novices, who we like so much, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of warders as she gets the – as they get the word that the Amerlin will see Min um, because we know that Suin is one of the few people who knows Min's full name, and that was the trading card, basically, that Min used to get there. Um, and so they're walking through the halls. Min's having these visions about warders and servants and how there's going to be all, like, something is going to happen to hurt and kill all these people in Tar Valen. Um, And as they get to the door, who should come <laughs> out of the <laughs> out of the Amberlin's office but Gowan? <laughs> <laughs> who's like in a tear about where is Elaine and they say and Nynaeve and Egwene mostly Egwene mostly Egwene I feel like yeah. the name is consistently just like a oh right and a name <laughs> <laughs> like I guess they're all together or whatever but where are they and he's been told that they're doing penance on a farm but he doesn't believe it and Min is like um calm down like it's it's fine I'm sure everything's fine but inside and, she's also like oh where are they and she's also like you're gonna make it worse if yes. you keep asking like stop asking yes like shut your as, stupid mouth as usual shut up yes. all you have to do is shut up <laughs> and there will be less problems yeah and yet people keep talking mm-hmm. uh so yeah so they have this whole interaction and she sees some visions about him that she doesn't quite understand and that he uh, she thinks he'll be wounded on whatever day that yeah. i said i are gonna die um so we know that Gowan will be involved, which I think likely means Gal, Galad. There's all the names <laughs> sound so similar. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> um, that Galad will likely also be involved, and there is like there are two points I think that come out of this in terms of Gowan that matter, and one is that he's super condescending, mm. like the way he talks about Elaine. I'm just like I can't remember, but I hope he gets his comeuppance for that kind of the way he's talking about her. Like I'll she's protect her whether she likes it or not. Yeah. yeah, like, and just like, she says she's playing at being Aes yeah. Sedai, yeah. and I was just, it really rubbed me the wrong way, and that he clearly likes Egwene, right. but would never encroach on his brother's space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nonsense. Agreed. Oh, but then we do find out that Galad is like, Obsessed with Egwene also. Yes. We've got this like love triangle setup situation. I guess it's a love quadrangle if you count Rand. I don't know if I count Rand though. Yeah. I think at this point. Yeah. After this section for sure not. Uh, So anyway. Okay. So she goes in. She starts. She has this like encounter with Leanne who is the keeper for the Mm -hmm. Everland seat. Who like she knows recognizes her but like they don't really do anything. Um, And then she goes in and she starts talking to Suen and that whole interaction is like i mean it's kind of part for the course right for suen like she yeah. she wants the information she's not going to give any information yeah. 
And she's going to be very cryptic and also then rope Min into doing what she wants her to do. Yeah, it's very Suen. And, but I think, again, the key here is, one, the vision that Min has about Suen. Right, that's true. Which is that she's standing in front of Min, but then she also sees her lying on the floor naked. And Min notes that there's something weird about the image, but she can't put her hand on her like finger on it. And I just made a connection that I will get to in a second when we get there later. Um, But Min can't quite put her finger on what it is because it happens so quickly. And Suen kind of has a jokey like, oh, I'm sure it just means I'm going to hook up with someone. Yeah. Which like, nope, that's definitely not what it's about. (laughs) And Min's like, oh, actually, I think there's going to be some something real bad's going to come down. And. I think what's interesting is we are seeing the pacing of the conversations that Suen has been having because we're really only seeing her reacting to information, right? Yeah. Like we don't yeah. really get to see her be super active right? so far. And it does feel very much like there is something tightening around her as readers because we see her kind of being maneuvered into smaller and smaller Mm. actions that she's able to take Mm -hmm. because there's so much she doesn't know. Like her action here is that she wants Min to stay and guide her on who she can and cannot trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to try to use her visions to like give her more information about like whatever is going to happen next. Yeah. And so it feels very much like Suen is getting not limited but you it feels like something is tightening around her and mm. we like we don't like as a reader and mm. like don't know what it is or how it's going to come to be especially in combination with all of Min's visions yeah and this is where also it's like a weird the weird time thing comes in because all that Min and Suin know is that Moiraine it, that is that Rand is headed to Tear mm-hmm. and like but he at this point they don't know any of the events of the end of the last book. Like they don't know if he got Kalendor. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah, anything. They don't know anything. They know nothing. And, uh, and like, so that's, so we know, and we're like, oh, but it's very, it's kind of, it's a stressful conversation to read, which I think is a useful way to build tension for the reader in a scene where otherwise like not much is happening, but I'm having yeah. a big reaction to the conversation because I know things that they don't know. And I'm just like, oh my God, you know nothing. It's like, so, you don't even know. It, it also, yeah. this conversation also kind of kicks off this running theme um, throughout this section. And I imagine throughout the book of like prophecy versus story versus mm. action, mm. which continues as a repetitive thing as the as the section goes on. For sure. And Sue in here, like, explicitly says it, so it frames basically everything else that we read. Yeah. Because this section is just a lot of conversations, barring, mm-hmm. like, three kind of action-y scenes. Everything else is, is like, conversation-based. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so all those conversations, I think, are framed within what Sue says about Rand, where she says, this isn't a story, he isn't some invincible hero, and if his thread is snipped out of the pattern, the Wheel of Time won't notice his going, and the creator will produce no miracles to save us. Right? Grim. And it, it's very <laughs> grim, but because there is this notion that because prophecy exists, the story will go a certain way, and yeah. I think this is Jordan doing something like sort of twofold where he's both being like you don't know what's coming like 
I have put all these prophecies into the text, but don't trust them because things can be read in whatever way they need Mm. to be read for this story to work, but it might not go the way you think it's going to go. And for the characters to feel like they're not as secure as they might be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. So, and then I just, before we move on from this section, there's this thing that I really dislike. And this is, as far as I can recall, the first instance of what becomes a repeated theme of women having to like up girly themselves in order to accomplish whatever so like basically the way that they hatch this plot that min is going to stay in the tower and use her visions but nobody can know it's her again she has to like stay in disguise and so suen is like okay you're gonna stay elmandretta we're gonna curl your hair you're gonna wear dresses and like leanne's gonna put some makeup on your face and you're gonna pretend to be like some hapless girl who has men fighting over her and that's why you're seeking asylum in the tower which p.s is like the thinnest story ever like why would the amerlin ever bother to take time to talk to some girl who like can't decide between two men which she's gonna marry like that's nonsense it doesn't make any sense from like a plot perspective right it legit felt like jordan was like why i don't really know anything about i don't like girls are uh, worried about boys right yeah yeah like yeah. uh, let's do that but like he's forcing this extremely feminine presentation on a character who has already been like you know allowed to present not yeah. in that way like has wh- whose whole character is sort of wrapped up in her own like interpretations of gender presentation and so and i i remember that this this is a repeated thing like yeah. women getting like extra pretty to accomplish x y and z and then like there's all of this like thoughts about like the, i i don't know it just puts these characters in this weird position where they have to perform femininity in ways that I think a don't actually serve the story and B I don't think he handles that well in the moments in which it's taking place. And I'm pre frustrated about it. I guess the conversation, cause I, I do remember it, but I don't remember the specifics. And I guess for this particular example of it, the argument could be made that because Min is so strong in her presentation and has such strong ideas that it is a disguise, right? Like particularly, I'm I'm not speaking about the circumstance of her being this girl that is like sitting between two boys, but the dresses and the name and the curls and the like specific like outward presentation, it is a disguise when you combine it also with Gowan kind of again condescendingly which I think Jordan recognizes in the text that he is being condescending says like you should wear dresses more often yeah yeah in that really gross way and I'm not saying that I think he does it well or that it's not frustrating I do think that piece of it in this section works for the purposes of what Suen is trying to do more so than the story she's concocted. Yeah. And I like I get the disguise part of it as like a plot device, but like I'm remembering the way it's handled and I don't I didn't See, like, like I don't I don't remember. Yeah, I like I, cannot remember. And like I said, I I'm betting I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> Probably I remember hating it the first Probably. time through when I was less you know, when I wasn't thinking critically about gender presentation and the mm-hmm. way that femininity is commoditized and like 
Uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, okay, so I have a lot of feelings about that. All right. <laughs> Which will continue on. Oh, yeah. They're not going away. <laughs> Be prepared for more. Um, so Ugh. then begins this whole, like, Ugh. the worst POVs ever, starting like with sequence. Aleda. Yeah, what happened to the other? So I just, I kept being like, ugh. Because, like, first we get Aleda, who is just scheming, and it's really, this is, I think, the side of it that doesn't work when we know more than the character. Yeah. Because it's just annoying. Yeah. It's just, like, We don't Aleda's get any just, new information. Yeah, there's no new information. It's just, there. this could have been accomplished in, like, two paragraphs. Yeah. Yep. Instead of like the three pages or whatever it is that we get, like the only use of it I think that works in terms of what he's doing, and I I think he actually undoes some of that good work by how long all these yep. POVs go on, is that it shows us the limits of our protagonists' perspectives. Right. Because it gives us more knowledge in terms of just knowing that there's so much happening that they are not accounting for and that they do not know. Right, right. Right. So Aleda is suspecting uh, that Suan and Moiraine are, like, positioning somebody yeah. to be the Dragon Reborn. Um, and she's like, this is awful and I'm going to stop it. Uh, and she has this whole conversation with Alviarin, who is terrible. And the White Aja, who is typically with the blue, mm-hmm. like, typically sides with the blue, but... Aleda seems to think that this other Aes Sedai will be a potential ally. Right. And for the record, I remember what the thing is that Min is having visions about. And I remember, like, why this section connects. And I'm still annoyed by it. <laughs> okay. I don't remember. I, yeah, I, I remember. I don't have any recollection whatsoever. Yep. <sighs> and then we get to somehow oh. an even worse perspective, which is <laughs> Dane freaking Bornhold, who is in like just outside the two rivers, because of course it's high fantasy, so you have to have the theme of like no one can ever go home again. <sighs> and he's it like, is- he's been. You find out that he's been sent there uh, to cooperate with Ordeeth, who we know is Patton. I mean, I think we know it's Patton Fane. It, yeah, it's got to be Patton. It's got to right? be Patton Fane. And he like doesn't like it. But he also is, we know he's obsessed with Perrin. Like, he thinks that Perrin killed his dad. Um, And so he's there thinking that he's going to, like, find Perrin and hold him accountable or whatever. Um, And in the meantime, like, Padden Fane slash Ordith is, like, harassing tinkers. And, like, they've, like, rounded up all these people for no good reason. And, like, you just know they're going to go into Two Rivers and, like... I mean, it's the raising of the Shire, right? Yes, like it's, exactly. It's, that's what it is. 100%. That's yeah. what this is. It's just very frustrating. <laughs> I feel like Jordan was like, I have to have these perspectives. I'm going to put them all at the top. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> because then we get from this, like, weird, jet, like, white cloak stuff with Ordi to the freaking Sanchan again. <laughs> 
Which yeah. I'll be real, I like kind of skimmed the section. Yeah, well, there's nothing that happens. So like, right? this, it's this woman, this high lady Surath, who like maybe we met her before. Who cares? Um, and she's thinking back on like what happened at Falme, and like, oh, she lost these crews, but then she got these ones, and like, she's like rallied and taken over some islands, and nobody knows she's there, and she's like stressing about reporting to the Empress, and there's like some interactions with this. Um, Seldom, who she's had to promote that she doesn't want to, and I didn't. I was like, I don't remember this lady. Like, I don't. No, know. I don't maybe, remember either. Maybe this is important. Maybe it's not. There's a gross interaction with a chained Aes Sedai, um, and and it's just like it's just her being like, my political standing. Let me think about it for twenty pages. I mean, it's not it's, actually twenty. No, pages, but it's but it's, it's a lot of pages. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of pages, pages for what it is. Yeah, and like <sighs> the, like the biggest thing that happens is she like contemplates. She's like they she knows about Rand, and she's like yeah. contemplating how to catch him. But that's it. That's and all whether or not she'll give him to the Empress right. if she catches him. Right. But like, I don't care. No, <laughs> I guess we're supposed to care. She was like hinting that she like found something out, but they don't tell you what it is. And like, I, to my mind, the hints are so vague that I can't do anything with this as a reader. I'm just yeah. like, okay, so she knows something I don't know. And like, and it's friggin' it's the friggin' ship captain all over. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm like, why did you give us so much information about that man? I know. It's ridiculous. So then chapter two, I did, I, w- I will say, this is a parent, well, it starts out a parent POV. And it was, I was like, oh, my babies are together. It's like parent <laughs> and Fail, um, in tear and like, Perrin is trying to figure out like Fael is very irritated and she's like grilling him on like his relationship with Rand and she's clearly stressed out about the whole Dragon Reborn thing and like doesn't quite know what's going on and she's concerned for Perrin's standing and he's just like you need to she wants him to go with her she wants right. him to leave and he's like you should go but I have to stay and this was honestly I loved this little bit here on page 56 Oh wow! Because, Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. We're blowing, we're blowing ahead. Well, there's like nothing that it's just them talking. No, I, I... <laughs> sorry. I'm like, wait, let me get to the part I like to forget about all this other nonsense. <laughs> I just skipped six pages. Who cares? I know. I was like, hold on. <laughs> sorry. Well, I kind of feel a little because I, I also agree. I was, I, my eyes did roll when. I a parent POV after all those POVs I hated. Not just out of in- it yeah, was like yeah, a, it was like a gut reaction because I did quite enjoy <laughs> parent in this in this whole like the the parent POVs we get. I do feel a little cheated that we don't get to see kind of the culmination of his saving of file mm. in the last book. Like we don't get to see that them we don't get to see their relationship like shift right it's it's what it was and what it is now and we didn't get that moment in between which Mm. i feel a little little bit cheated that's fair because they are very cute super cute but i wanted to get it feels very not abrupt but i do feel like there's a piece missing that i would have liked to have read that's fair I mean, I will read all of the fanfic about the in-between moments there. <laughs> there are some, like, cute moments where you see the shift from things that were, like, making him really mad to, like, now he he thinks about them with some affection, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, where he's, like, you know, 
they banter and she pokes fun at me. And like, you know, there, there are these moments that I was like, I would have liked to have seen him come to the realization mm. a little bit more clearly mm. and her reciprocate Yeah, yeah. prior to them already being at this point. I, that's fair. That's fair. And then um, there is this kind of like class difference that yeah. is becoming apparent between the two of them where she's like, Matt's room is probably better than yours. <laughs> and he's like, Matt likes ugly gaudy things. <laughs> That's so great. And and she's kind of pushing like, it feels like the Lord Dragon has forgotten about you. So it, it's also clear that Perrin has not spoken to her like completely honestly because that doesn't feel like something who understands the inner workings between everybody would say and understands the kind of like stress he's going through of not understanding his relationship with Rand anymore. Right. So to me, it says like she's making a lot of assumptions because he hasn't been a hundred, not that he hasn't been honest with her in terms of lying, but that he isn't opening up to her as much as, the way they're interacting implies that he would have. I don't know. I I just read it as like Perrin sort of doesn't know. Like he's he's not able to interact with Rand much because Rand is always like, yeah. well, as we find out, Rand is doing a lot of other things right now. And I think it speak, it's like part of Karen, Perrin's character that he's very tentative. He's not interested in politics. No, or like jockeying for position. He's not, he doesn't care about, you know, like wealth or any of that stuff like he so like in his own sort of low-key way and this is what I loved about this section on page 56 he's like parked himself in the stone of tear because he has figured out Mm -hmm. that like they are all Taverin and they're all pulling towards each other. And if Rand is as strong as he says, like he needs him. He can't, Perrin literally can't go anywhere because no matter what he does, he's pretty sure he's just going to get pulled back. And also he doesn't want to go because he wants to be there for Rand. Like this is, this is one of the moments where I'm like, this is why Perrin is my fave because like, he's just like, well, I've thought about it really hard. I'm pretty sure I know how this works. And like, here's what needs to happen. And I am conflicted about it, but I know it's the right thing. So I'm going to do it. Like, no, I agree. I I agree. I love him so much. I know. I agree with you in that, in that respect. I think that there's a disconnect between the way the opening of the chapter happens and this implied intimacy between the two of them. Uh Uh-huh. And the way she doesn't seem to have a handle on how he's feeling because he's right. working it out in front of her. Well, yes. Yeah, right. In, right. Instead of having already had that conversation. That's, fair enough. Fair enough. That's what I was trying to okay, say. Okay, I got you. I agree with you. I think I I loved this section, too, of Perrin kind of finally coming to terms with what he thinks his role is mm-hmm. in all of this. And it's a wonderful parallel to what we'll see with Matt in a yeah. few minutes. Um, and then we get some kind of pretty standard. Uh, oh yeah, romantic like women and men, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like blah blah blah. And then his axe tries to kill him out of nowhere. It's very yeah. dramatic. It's, it's very dramatic and very like, like again, this like wonderful like moment of like sci-fi slash aggressive yeah. like. Like, this doesn't feel high fantasy to me. This feels like commercial fantasy. 
like in this moment of like the axe coming and like oh, floating and coming after them. <laughs> like I liked it a lot, but it is it does it's not that it feels disconnected. It's just always such a surprise to have these like really bombastic visual oh. action sequences. Sure, sure. Right? Like with the the beasts in the alternate dimension or whatever right, and like right. these like really sort of like cartoony <laughs> kinds yeah. of moments. Cartoony is a good way to put it. I right? feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so his axe tries to kill him and, like, also is, like, attacking Fael and so he, like, pushes her out of the room and, like, does this whole, like, there's a whole action sequence where he's, like, dodging and, like, getting cut. And, and like, getting, he, like, really angry in an awesome way. Yeah, yeah, it's badass. And then he finally figures out, like, he, like, dodges it and it buries itself in the door and it stops trying to kill him. And he opens the door and Fael is, like, right on the other side, like, staring at the axe blade, like, Ugh, that was terrible. I know. Um, and they assume, with any reason, that Rand has, like, done something. Mm -hmm. And so they, like, set off to try to find Rand and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, yeah, they have this, like, really sweet moment first where they're yeah. both like are you okay are you okay oh my god yeah. oh my god and then file is like don't you ever fucking do that again <laughs> and Perrin I think fairly is like okay I I couldn't do both things yeah yeah like no I'm on his side in this one in like, this moment I am on his side 100% <laughs> like there's a lot of like men unnecessarily trying to protect women in but, these books but this not this so was, much like, not this so much legit. This no legitimate <laughs> Correct. Um, all right. Then we go to Matt, who, who is, is, of course, gambling. Gambling, playing cards with some some nobles. But this is, again, like, what a, a – it's just, like, a, like I feel like both of them come across so well. Both Perrin and Matt yeah. come across so well in their, sec like, sections because they're both reacting thoughtfully. Matt, I think, pretty standard for what we've seen from him so far. Perrin, it was a little new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because he's not quite so, like, in his own head about stuff, yeah. finally. Um, but Matt has this, like, brand new red coat he's very excited about. He's got his, like, purses. Um, and we get this piece from him of reconsidering what he's wanted and how his goals are changing and how his perspective on life is changing. Mm -hmm. I feel like Matt continues to exhibit, like, a level of self-awareness that we are not we're we're just getting to see from Perrin and from Rand that Matt has had kind of consistently. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yeah. But Matt is now doing the thing that we saw with Rand back in Shinar where he's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go any day now. I'm totally going to go. And then he's like, well, just I didn't need a, I need a little bit more money first. I need to go. But I'm just going to get some more money first. I'm totally I know, going though. But I think that has to do – I think that pulls back to that theme of – prophecy versus action oh, right like it's, we know why yeah it's, it's, it's that's what he's doing but there's a level of self-awareness to it mm. even then right that right. rant didn't have like matt is aware of it yeah and he by the end of the section it's not that he doesn't know what's happening it's that he's kind of given up yeah that piece of it right because he is it's like he's realized that he can't fight it yeah. Which goes against what Suin was telling us, right? right. What Suin right. was telling us is that prophecy only means so much. Mm -hmm. But what 
the book is telling us and what the pattern is telling us is that actually I'm going to pull and pull and pull and pull and pull. Yeah. Yeah. So they're having this like whole conversation. Like they're talking about like the ideal women and like Matt's like telling them stories to distract them so he can take their money. Yeah. They do the whole like it did the like kiss the maidens <laughs> thing made me laugh a little bit, but only because it's that moment where Matt's like, he had never considered the Isle clan chief to be a man to play tricks. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you stupid? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where's that like epic survivalist that we have gotten to know yeah. so well? <laughs> it goes out the window apparently when there's a pretty pair of eyes involved. There, <laughs> I did have like a, I drew the little like eye emoji. <laughs> In the margins for the line that's like he had not made it to his own bed until day. Yes, there is a lot of suggestion that like Matt and the maidens like got down. Matt has like fast forwarded past that young man who was just like Rand knows how to talk to girls so much better. Yeah, like it's like I know that was a random parent thing, but it always felt like Matt was included. But now yes. that we're getting Matt POV, it's like no, Matt will like. Hit anything, anytime, <laughs> anywhere. It's true. It's true. His tastes are broad. He's like very <laughs> up for it, apparently. Playboy Matt. It's a thing. It's so funny. Fuckboy Matt. I actually think he is like a little bit of a fuckboy. Not gonna but lie. He, I don't know. I feel like he's too. I would. Uh, no, only because he's always so like ready to provide like a kindness to the girls mm, that he's mm, going mm. for i feel like it precludes him from fuckboy status fair enough fair enough because it doesn't ever seem like he's throwing them away it's yeah. like he's really like i want to make sure you know that i think you're cute and that i like you <laughs> i want to make sure you know that right 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 it's true <laughs> uh so then his cards try to kill him well yeah so they're having this like He's having this conversation with these lords, and the lords are – one of them is particularly shitty, right? Yeah. Like, one of them is, like – again, we're seeing these, like, class differences things yeah. pop up, which we have been seeing as the books have gone on. But here it's pretty explicit in terms of how much control these lords have over the working class in tier. And Matt's getting, like, clearly more and more angry with this guy who's like, tell Rand that, like, people shouldn't be allowed to sue us. Yeah. <laughs> we should be able to do whatever we want. Right. And, and Matt's, like, like, not into it. He's, no, like, not into it. I appreciated that section a lot. Yeah, where, because it's literally, he's, like, oh, so you should be able to do whatever you want with whatever people you want, including, like, hurting girls and, like, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And the guy says something really gross, and Matt's yep. kind of, like, oh, I want to punch you so bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then he's, like, I'm just going to take all your money. Right. <laughs> And, and so, like, this great moment where he, like, he feels because the cards, it's, it's not as easy for his luck to influence cards as it is. Yeah. And there's this great moment where he feels things click into place and he's got, like, this, like, you know, perfect suit of cards and he feels the luck, like, take hold. And he says a thing and they're like, oh, you told you you're talking in old tongue again. Like, look at you. Yeah. Talking old tongue. And they're, like, fighting about it. And he's like, oh, shit. Like, he doesn't he's... know what's happening. I know, but it's so interesting because he talks about that and he thinks about how – these lords have to deal with like shifting their entire history after 3000 years of being a certain way and how he 
is a drastically different person after a single year, right? And mm. how humanity has – I was like, oh, God. Because it's like humanity has to deal and adjust with all of the things that come your way. It's mm. it's the like, you know, why do we live in such times? So say all people who have to live through such times, et cetera. Right, right. And I was just like, oh, too real. <laughs> too, too real. real. Um, and so he has this moment. He ha- he like says the old tongue thing. And then the cards yeah, try, try to, to kill, kill him. him. And, and we get again, another like action sequence. Like very cartoony action sequence. Yeah. Like literally like the things, the people from the cards, like the Amerlin has like a knife instead of the flame or something. And like. They're stepping out of the cards. It's very Alice in Wonderland. It's very Alice in Wonderland. It's yeah. very like, like uh, slow mo too. It's like he can't. He's yeah. no, nothing is moving in time. Everything Ooh. is moving through like jelly. Which reminded me also of Brandon Shinar. Remember that moment where he's training with with Lana, Ooh, like yeah. the top of the pot, yeah. and he like gets Ooh, caught in the bubble, and he like it. He almost gets impaled on the the sticks that they're using. Yeah, I was like, oh, now we know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. That was good. Yeah, that was a good connection. So Matt doesn't die. He like manages to you know survive, and all of the lords will like not admit what happened, but also are like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Bye. <laughs> And like everybody scatters you, (laughs) and that also assumes that That it's it's Rand. Rand. Like Rand has done something, Um, and then we get to Rand. (laughs) Poor, poor Rand. This whole section is just—it's just rough. And I feel I know that at some point Rand is going to become someone that just I find so annoying and entertaining. I know it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, though. But it hasn't happened yet here. I just feel so bad for him. He's having like sexy dreams about men in a lane. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which, He's... like, I could have done without for the record. I know. I agree. Well, first, it starts with this nightmare where he has – he's, like, Moiraine is, like, pushing him towards something, but she seems horrified. Um, he's trying to run away from her. And then he gets to the weird sexy part with <laughs> Min and Elaine and Egwene seemingly, like, he doesn't want to hurt Egwene, but she gets hurt by his actions in the dream. And it's just a lot of, like – this is the most explicit, like, okay, we see where your stress and anxiety is coming right. from. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then he wakes up and he it's like he hears something in his room. And so mm-hmm. he, like, panics after having this, like, thought of, like, I maybe I just love Egwene like a sister. It's a very weird juxtaposition yeah, of like, moments. Um, so he, like, calls to Satan and like has his like flame sword in his hand like immediately all the can- like candles come up and it's this woman what's her name Berylaine Berylaine right who is the, the queen first of Maine the queen slash first of the city state of Maine which Tyr has some kind of political relationship with in which Tyr is the more powerful country um and she's basically there to seduce him Mm-hmm. And it's a very long seduction it sequence. Takes so freaking long. I I just like, oh my God. And like, it's another one not? of our favorite, like, he's almost naked and she's like coming in on him almost naked. It's yeah, like and she again. is like there's a lot of descriptions of how her robe like barely stays up, blah, 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 blah. Like it's really a strange scene where she's like, like Go I ahead. Feel, I feel like I need to say that like like I, I think 
I don't know. I don't know if I've said this before. I like read romance novels. I have no objections to sexy times in books. I do object to how Jordan often handles the sexuality. Because they're of, weird power dynamics. Yeah, because the power dynamics are a freaking mess. So every single yeah, time. Every single time. Like, and not even in an interesting, thoughtful way. No. Like some people have like made careers out of dissecting power dynamics in sexy times in interesting and thoughtful ways. That is not what's happening here. So like no. just for the record, it's not that I object to like sexiness, it's that I object to what how he is like trying to do it, I think sucks. Yeah, it's just weird. And like this whole sequence is just, it's like he's trying to, I don't even know what he was trying to do. Honestly, I can't get a handle on what the goal of this no, character is. How long of, it goes on. Or how like, long it goes on. Like, and bet, I think almost immediately that like she is, she needs political power. Yes. She's basically been a prisoner in TF yes. for a while. And she like, Okay, fair enough. She thinks that if she sleeps with Rand, she can get some political sure. standing and favors out of him. Like, done. But it goes on for so long. And, and she, like the way the other characters talk yeah, about her yeah, yeah. doesn't lend credence to him recognizing that this character is doing whatever she needs to do. Right. Right? Like, it, it, it like, gives us hints of that in the way that maybe Moiraine will say something or Lan will say something or whatever it is. But then it's immediately cut down by the way the other women talk about her. It's yeah. very strange. It's it's, so it's gross. <laughs> he kind of has this like, oh, she's so hot. But like, oh, what do I do? And, oh, no, I can't do it. And he right. like, because she is so forward, he panics a little bit and like traps her in a box of air. Right. He uses the power to like, because she's like literally throwing herself on him. So he like. Yeah, traps her in a box of air, and then if that ends up being useful, because every reflection in his room, yeah, it's to kill him. like Ocarina of Time Shadow Link <laughs> style. Like <laughs> Rand has to fight himself yeah. several times over. <laughs> it's a mess. He's getting really wounded. Like he's basically like, "Well, I'm gonna die if I can't figure this out." And he has to like absorb these like now come yeah. to life reflections of him. They're all the, like teeny tiny ones. Yeah. Which I thought was very funny. It's really, it's like a, it's a hilariously horrifying section. It is. It is hilariously horrifying. That's a very good way to put it. Because at the, on, on one hand, you're like, "This is ridiculous. This is so weird so and funny. funny." But he has this moment of understanding that if he does not win, whichever one of those. Yeah. Reflections wins will become him. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's very, very scary. So he like manages to win, and Barrelane, of course, is still like trapped in this box of air, and she's like, "I'll go now." She's like, "I'm Bye. gonna leave." Bye. This was, you know what? You're right. You're this right. Was inappropriate. No, nope. I'm so sorry. Never. I'm I will never go. bother you again. Bye. <laughs> you'll never see me again. And then the end of the chapter is quite oh sad, God. right? Where he, yeah. He's like sitting there. He is like cut to pieces. There's blood everywhere. And he's like, he knows he needs to call Moiraine to, to come heal him. And it's, uh, he says, in a moment, he would send for Moiraine to heal his wounds. In a moment, he would speak to the isle outside and become the dragon reborn again. But for now, he only wanted to sit and remember a shepherd named Randall Thor. I can't. I can just, my, oh, my, my God, my heart. Yeah. Ugh, it's heartbreaking. Our poor, like, angsty baby. I know. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. Um, then we get back to Perrin and File, who are kind of like going through the halls to get to Rand. And it's, again, a very long, unnecessarily so long unnecessary. sequence. Uh, 
And they, again, are talking, they run into, like, one of the high lords of Tyr, and they're talking about prophecy, and mm-hmm. da, 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 and it's just, like, very pretty heavy-handed. And then they run like, into Berylaine, and she's, like, you know, tearing through the castle, and, like, Perrin, and Perrin tries to, to be like point to be gallant or whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> File was like, you have to be nicer to people, because Perrin right. was not very nice to that high lord. Yeah. And then, of course, because he's trying to be nice to this yeah. woman, File is like, oh. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's It's very stupid. But I did, like, the moment where he was just like, I don't understand what you're saying. And she kind of gets it of being yeah. like, oh, no, you're just you really you're really like this. Right. Like there is no ulterior you motive happening here. You just don't understand. Yeah. OK. Great moment. And she's like, you know what? I don't want to meet the dragon reborn. I'm good. You go ahead. You let me know what happens. Like kisses him and walks away. And I'm like, all right. fair. That's great. That's a great moment. So he goes off. After she goes back to her room, he goes to continuing continues on to try to see Rand. He gets through the the defenders who are there. He gets through the aisle who have mm-hmm. a funny little joke of like, "Haha, you should play yeah, maiden's, maiden's kiss or maiden's whatever kiss with us, whatever it is." Because he's like, "No, I'm going in. Right, I'm I'm going in. Yeah, like you can't. I have to go in. I'm right. not. You can't stop me." Right. Um. And I did like the moment where he's like, "I don't really know what's going on. Maybe another time." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Which that is was really funny. Cute. And then we have—I've been waiting for a reunion, yeah, scene at yeah. least between one, like some of the yes. boys. Yes, right. They never and, like talk to each other, and it's—I love it every time it happens because it reminds you, like, there's that moment where you know, parent. So he comes in and he talks to Rand and And he sees that Rand is injured and he's like, Get Moiraine, what's going on? He like does first aid he and does, like, he oh like, my God. Gets, like tries to like put like a bandage onto the mm-hmm. wound at Rand's side. And it's like it made me remember when Rand uh had to take care of Matt and when Matt yes. had to take care of Rand when yes. they were on their journey together, where you kind of are able to remember that these kids were like best friends. Yeah. You know, and so they're talking it it feels much more authentic than the beginning of the last book did where they were so disconnected yes. and it was very yeah. uncomfortable, the two of them, yeah. when they had that conversation. Like, this felt like, oh, right, you're remembering that, like, yes, he's the Dragon Reborn, but he's also Rand, mm-hmm. which is going to be another running theme that goes on. And so they're talking about Matt, which is like kind of a weird section where they're just like, he might be dead, but we're sure he's fine. <laughs> yeah and and rand is saying like hey it wasn't me like it yeah. was it had to have been one of the forsaken and uh and so yeah and yeah they're like uh well and parent i i mean this is how practical parent is it's like there's no point in going to check like if matt's dead he's dead and if he's fine he's fine like what else am i gonna do right now i have to yeah. fix rand i have to focus on rand i know and rand is like having this like conversation it's not even a conversation with parent he's having this conversation with himself in front of parent mm-hmm. about like how everybody's trying to get him to do something yeah specific that they want him to do and the only way he can see it is to do something that nobody expects but he hasn't figured out what it is yet mm-hmm. yeah and so Perrin is kind of like okay <laughs> okay <And> buddy then, <laughs> I'm just here trying to make sure you don't bleed out yeah <laughs> uh, so then Rurik comes in um, the head of the aisle and with, with a bunch of the maidens uh, and then Moiraine and Lan show up and Moiraine is like what the fuck <laughs> yeah I leave you alone for 10 minutes. 10 
minutes. Um, there, I did, I did laugh at like Lan making a joke because Rand is like cut to ribbons. Lan is like, I thought you were old enough to shave without someone to guide your hand. And Rourke's like, he's young. He'll figure it out. <laughs> like, talk about gallows humor. And I, what I love about this section is that Perrin is like, what the fuck is happening? Because he's like, Land doesn't make jokes. And, like, Rourke also does. Like, what? These are, like, the two most stone-faced, like, grim mm-hmm. men that he's ever met. And here they are, like, making jokes. And I just love, because it speaks to how these men feel some like paternal feelings towards Rand and they're like well he's alive so like let's make a joke because Mm -hmm. at the very least we can like do that for him and you're just like oh buddies I love you so much yeah and so we have Moiraine being like okay can you try to reach the power so that it might make it a little bit easier for you while I'm healing you and Rand can't do it and there's this line that I just really loved where he's like, I cannot, I cannot even reach the void. I can't seem to concentrate. A quick grin cracked the blood drying on his face. I do not understand why. A thick red thread snaked its way down past his left eye. And you're just like, oh. Because he's like, you can see it. Like, I feel like that moment you can see happening and see this kid who is clearly, like, getting pushed past everything. But still trying to maintain on to, like, whatever humanity he yeah. has. Yeah. Oh. It's so rough. It's really rough. <sighs> and then Moiraine is like yelling at him. Uh, and like, because he's he's like quoting prophecies at her. And she's and like. And that's where this quote from the top of the, the episode <laughs> yeah. comes in is because Rand has decided he understands prophecy. Right. Right. And Moiraine is like, you might be able to read. <laughs> But your comprehension's not great. (laughs) And Lan is, like, defending him. And Perrin is like, what is happening? It's such a great moment of seeing this mentor role that Lan has. Mm -hmm. And that we haven't seen him inhabit in a while because they haven't, like, been in the same room together for, like, three books, it feels like, at this point. It's been a very long time since we've we've had a chance to to watch their interactions. And it's nice to just see that dynamic continue. And uh, and so Rand is kind of like it must be the Forsaken, right? And and Moiraine is like, uh, I don't know. Actually, I think you're wrong. Like yeah. this, this feels more like something else. Um, and this is when we find out about the miasma bubble. Yeah, this is so like the weirdest, <laughs> terrifyingest thing ever, right? It's like these weird pockets of bad energy, essentially yeah. floating up from the Dark One's prisons, and and. Likely affecting Taverin, but eventually will affect many more people the, like, looser those gates get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very creepy. Um, And so Moiraine is pushing Rand to, like, make a choice because her mm-hmm. point is, like, the longer you stay stagnant, the more open you are to attack. Yeah. You need to go on the attack. But Rand can't quite seem to grasp that attack doesn't mean going after a singular thing. It means thinking strategically and on a wider stage that he is used to doing it's really it's it's interesting and then we get like rand jordan does that thing that he's so good at which is like building suspense right where perrin is kind of trying to talk to rand about like what what is coming next like what what are you thinking and Rand's like, we do what we have to do. We all do what we have to do. But Perrin notices that he smells afraid. Yeah. And you're like, oh, 
Uh, and then Perrin has a conversation with Ruark about the Isle version of the prophecy, which yes. has not been fulfilled. Yeah, super interesting. Uh, because he says, because Perrin is like, well, you you know that Rand is yeah. your like dude, right? And Ruark's like, well, he did Maybe. one thing, but like there's other things too. And like if he's the one, he'll do them. And if he's not, he won't. Like, end of story. And Perrin's like, okay. <laughs> Perrin's like, well, that could go real bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I better get file out of here. Yeah. <laughs> then we then we get to uh, Tom in chapter four. I liked this. You I did sound, too. Okay, I was gonna say you sound no, a no, little no. Uh, peevy about like, it. I only because I feel like he's the way I liked getting Matt from Tom's perspective a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was very fun. I think Jordan is having trouble. It feels like solidifying what Tom's role is in the wider story. I mean, yeah, I I guess what I thought was we finally see Tom taking action instead of just being there as like a foil and sounding board for Matt. Like when yeah. when the chapter opens, he's like he's forging notes to fuck with the the high lords of Tear and like yes. keep them like internally divided because he is he really does feel this sense of that he needs to protect Rand and Matt as much as he can, and he's like positioned himself so that like nobody's really paying attention to him like mm-hmm. he's not his connection with them isn't clear and yeah he, that's true he knows all of this political stuff and he's using it sort of low-key behind the scenes to try to help which was like oh like I just have heart feelings about it like no I agree I do like it I just I think it's, I'm it's gonna minimal need, because it's minimal what happens so he's you get like maybe a page of that and then Matt bursts in and is like uh some cards maybe tried to kill me. Do you want to play a game? Like, like I think I, I need to leave, but I don't know how. Like, it's it's a very... And then he is back to his sort of sounding board position for Matt. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what these conversations are solidifying is... And what I think is working really well in the, like, kind of low action of this section is that everything is building the tension of the characters questioning their own inaction. Right. Like the, the characters are recognizing their own inaction, but it's in the face of like them telling us that it's about choice. Yeah. So it I, is this thing, this like this uh, antagonistic aspect to the, the conversation, the text and, and what the text is purporting to do. Right. I do also appreciate that both in this section and in the Perrin Fail section, specifically there's like talk about like well more moiraine like she's you know yeah. watching you or pulling your strings and both of them are like you know she's really like she's really not stopping me from doing anything like i like finally yes. they're not blaming moiraine for every single moment of their I lives i know it's kind of nice like, it's such a relief to be like to see them taking some ownership over the fact that like yeah she has like attempted to arrange things in a way that will literally hopefully save the world and they have been very jerky about it but at this point she is like they're she's giving them room and the fact that they're not taking it is on them not on her yeah the they do recognize that because like here matt is saying like moiraine's watching me and you and like it's getting back to me and i know she's doing it and tom says like well you could avoid that yeah like you could and matt kind of comes to that realization of like well something always comes up there's always there's money there's a pretty girl there's 
you know, whatever. And then he, we're not in his head, so we don't know what his realization was. But yeah. Tom's, which I think is very smart mm. from like an art, like author perspective, um, is that we're not getting that internal, yeah, uh, perspective from Matt here because then it makes us not sure of what his choices are going to be, mm-hmm. just what he's telling Tom, right? Yeah. And same with his scene later, again. Mm-hmm. We're not getting his perspective. We're getting Egwene's perspective on what he's going to do. Right. Um. But yeah, we literally have like, I think about leaving all the time, but I get these strange feelings, almost as if something was going to happen, something momentous. And suddenly I found some other reason to stay. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting to like, push and pull there of what the character desperately wants to do, but also recognizing there is something in this story or prophecy or whatever it is that is stopping them from doing it. Yeah. There is this really great push and pull. And so as this chapter wraps up, Tom is kind of like, okay, let's just play stones. <laughs> like, let's maybe you leave in the morning, and he knows that like Matt's not gonna leave in the morning, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, we forgot, you know what we're not talking about? Him, Matt focusing on those holes in his memory. Oh, yeah. So I meant to talk about it when we got to the old tongue and then I got distracted. So there's that moment when Matt accidentally speaks in the old tongue right before his cards mm-hmm. try to kill him. And he has this thought about like, ugh, like my, my memory is Swiss cheese. Like I wish I could figure out how to remember. And it does come back up again with Tom yeah. here. Yeah. Here he says it again. I, I wish I could just fill these holes in because he doesn't know what he's missing. Right. And it's driving him, but he's not sure what like towards what like yeah. there's just a lot of questions around Matt and I think that's why we're getting external perspectives for him mm-hmm. so it can keep that mystery going and then Tom kind of has this moment again of being like I'm just gonna take care of my boys <laughs> yeah, I know it's so good <laughs> and he cares so deeply for like Matt and Rand in particular because he didn't spend all that time with Perrin right? right I did have this moment of like what about Perrin but I was like oh they've never like they don't know each other they don't know each other they they're each like other. like <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> should we should we just do the like intro here? Yeah, I think we should just redo the intro and <laughs> um, do the quote part. I think we skip the quote part. Let's like let's just part. redo it the way it's written and I'll just say in my thing like this is part 2 of our previous discussion which has gotten very long. Okay. Um <laughs> Ooh, All right. In three, two. Hi, I'm Preeti Chipper. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. We are rereading the books in advance of the TV show adaptations release. We're talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time, sometimes exhaustively, because what happened here is that we realized after only getting through four chapters that we had been talking for an hour about the first four chapters of The Shadow Rising. (laughs) So we thought it might be more listener-friendly to break this up into two episodes. So this is part two of our discussion of chapters one through eight of The Shadow Rising. We're going to start with chapter five and move on to chapter eight. And if you are just like doing it all at once like more power to you but if you broke it up also a wise choice here we are we have a lot to say yeah we have a lot to say and i actually uh, we might end up putting these episodes together i realize because 
we don't have there's not all that many pages left we'll see what happens yeah yeah we'll see what happens it, it might end up being one episode we'll see okay uh so chapter five and we're with Egwene and Nenev talking to the two sisters from the Black Aja that they have that they captured at the end of the last book yeah and we find out sorry I'm gonna like jump around a little bit here we find out that actually one of them is shielded but the other one is still yeah yeah, and, and and I immediately remembered there's that moment in because Egwene is in Teleran Riyadh when she mm-hmm. encounters Amiko, right? Is that yes. her name? Amico. And um and and Amiko is flickering in and out of the dream mm-hmm. world, right? She's dozing off, and Egwene has to time it perfectly and then like slam this shield in place, and she feels something weird when yep. it happens, but she doesn't know what it is. Now we know. So to that end, there's something about Amiko's uh, face that Egwene mm. can't quite get a handle on what's different about it and what's weird about it. And Avienda notices, because Avienda is there uh, of the aisle, notices that it's because she's lost that agelessness of the eyes to die. But Egwene repeats it several times of like, she can't figure out what it is. And it makes me think of the way Min reacted to Suin. Mm, right, because there's in that vision where Suin is naked, there's yeah, something weird there's about something her face. Something off about it. So I don't, I don't know. That I just connected yeah, yeah. those two things, and I don't know mm. if it means anything, but it felt repetitive to me. Sure, sure. Um, so they're they're talking to these two, um, interrogating. I think interrogating, is the word. not yeah. talking to. You, thank you, interrogating them, and they they keep Nineveh is talking about Tanchico, which is a place. Um, because it turns out, you know, one of them, Amiko, who is the one who is stilled, isn't giving them much. She's just like, I overheard, you know, this, the Tanchiko thing. I don't know. That's about it. And then the other one, Joya, gives them a much wider perspective on what the plans are of the Black Aja, which is pretty bleak in terms of getting Mazerm Tame, who is the mm-hmm. false dragon, and getting him to proclaim himself the Dragon Reborn so as to create a divide between Rand's forces and whatever might come because right. apparently he's also very powerful. But we don't know who's telling the truth. We don't know who's nope. lying. None of this information is trustworthy. And they've been saying the same things over and over. Like yep. clearly this is like, this felt like a very spinning wheels. Like, and it's only, it's such a short chat. It's like six, seven pages, something like yeah. that. Um, but it felt long. Well, it did because nothing is happening except nothing for them happens. being like, Ugh, they keep telling us this and we don't know if it's real. So we keep asking them and we don't know what to do about it. Like, And like a- Moiraine has like said that she'll be there, but she's not there. Right. And then she finally shows up in the midst of them oh, doing and this interrogation. P.S. Nynaeve and Egwene are still like at each other's throats. Yes, so that's annoying. annoying. So annoying. Um, We get a little bit of Nynaeve, Lan. Yes. Pers- like, not perspective, but, like, just hints of it in that Nineveh is only wearing Lan's favorite colors. <laughs> it's very cute, but very dorky. Yeah. Um, And so... Moiraine shows up after Joya, who is the, the shielded Aes Sedai, is kind of, like... Like, they're a little wary of her, but she clearly has her shit together more than Amiko, who has been stilled, and she's like, I've repented. 
Yeah. I believe in the Dragon Reborn. And you're like, I don't trust you. Yeah, no, not for a second. You're going to come back and do something. I know you are. Obviously. <laughs> so yeah, Moiraine storms in in the opening of Chapter 6 and is like, Randall Thor. Wait. Oh, what? This is Sorry. our first Elaine perspective, right? You are right. It is our first Elaine perspective. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's good. It is good. We get two Elaine perspectives, and I think they're both they're pretty both fun. They're both great. Yeah, they're, they're both, both solid. really, really great. Like, Agreed. they're very sweet, very Elaine. Like, I loved it a lot. But yeah, Moiraine storms into this room. Complaining about Rand. <laughs> and then, and Nynaeve is like, yeah, we'll, well, you know, two rivers men. Like, what can you do? We don't have that many problems with that. Like, she's still, like, picking at Moiraine. It's Which so is very petty. stupid. It's, it's petty. so petty. And then Moiraine realizes that, like, you know, Joya is standing there, like, unshield, like, uh, well, un- she's she's shielded, but she's not, like, she's able to hear them. Yeah. Um, and is like, oh, I guess I should uh, do something about that. Do something about that. <laughs> yeah. So awkward. Awkward moment. Yeah, because they have this moment of, like, Elaine has this moment of, like, she and Egwene and Inave are all much stronger than Moiraine, but Moiraine has so much experience that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then Moiraine, like, after taking care of Joya's, you know, hearing, starts telling them, like, I am going to send these two away. They're going to the White Tower. So if you're going to get anything out of them, you have to do it before then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, none of them particularly appreciate her but we do get some like um growth here oh wait first they have to have this like conversation about rand where Egwene's like i like him like a brother because <laughs> moiraine is like he's not for you and queen's like no i get it it's fine i like him like a brother i'm good right and then they have this like a side where elaine's like so excited <laughs> she's like oh my god he's free and, <laughs> and then there is this thing where, like, Egwene is kind of like Moiraine doesn't understand. Mm. And she asks Moiraine if she's ever been in love. Wait, where are we? What page are we on? 126. Oh, okay. We skipped some stuff. Oh, let's go back. Yeah, I, I know. That's yeah. That never okay. happens. That I'm like, no way. I know. What? But so, yeah. So Nynaeve is, like, yelling uh, at Moiraine oh, right. about this whole situation, um, how like she said she's going to help and then she doesn't help, and Moiraine like, you know, is trying to like basically put her in her place, um, and just sort of like lets and in the process of like saying like y'all don't really know what you're doing here, mentions that Berylaine has been in Rand's chambers, and that gives rise to this whole like yes. dynamic of like Igwin being like, yeah, I know he's not for me, I don't care, and Elaine being like, Berylaine was in his chambers, it's but also very he's free, but also uh, like it's like a whole yeah. Anyway, sorry, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, but Moiraine says this thing that I could wager I know the face of the man I will marry better yes. than either of you know that of your future husband, and I was like, what? what? the hell is that about? What does that I mean? I feel like I remember Moiraine's arcs pretty well, and I'm Same. pretty sure she does not marry anybody. I don't remember. I don't even know what this could turn into. No, I have Based no on what idea. I'm remembering, like I, mm, so we'll have to, we'll have to like keep note of that because yeah, yeah. It, it's such a weighted statement. Yeah, and it's such a like becomes such a moment, and yeah. you know, they're like, what? Yeah. And Moiraine is like, okay, it might just mean that we're nobody knows. Right. 
But like, it's so such a weird way to say it. And it's such, I don't know. It was such a weighted yeah. thing that I was like, that has to matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, point. you don't just randomly throw that out. Um, and so Moiraine tells them what happened to Rand and, mm-hmm. and the stuff with the mirrors and all of that. Um, and then she and Nenev again start sniping at each other. But I think Moiraine is like in the right here, right? When she says, you know, you want to know how to use the power, Nenev, but you do not care to learn about the power. Mm. Satan is not Sadar. Because this is Nenev's problem where she doesn't want to engage beyond what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why she can't get past this, like, I have to be furious in order to channel. Yeah. It's yeah. really frustrating. But we do have some growth here, right? Where they mm-hmm. finally, they are like, what is your plan? And Moiraine's like, okay, I'll tell you. Right. I don't think that's ever happened. No, no, I loved it. I loved it. Because you can see that, like, while she still considers them, like, you know, sort of green and, like, no, like, she is very clear on what they know and what they don't know. She's also very clear on their potential and she knows what they're doing for Suan. So, like, she's like, well, all right, sure. Like, I'll fill you in. What what harm can it do? Yeah. And so basically what her plan is and what Moiraine thinks needs to happen is Rand needs to stoke a war between Ilian and Tyr so that the Ilianers will follow him. Mm-hmm. And of course, Egwene and Nenev have very like uh, naive reactions to this. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, and Elaine immediately gets it by being the daughter of a queen and having to have learned all of this stuff. And so Moiraine is like, explain it to them. Yeah. And Elaine's like, well, war is going to happen no matter what. Like, it's going to happen. We may as well do it in the way that serves Rand best and serves our cause best. Yeah. And it's it's dark. It is dark. It's really dark. And then Moiraine tells them that, like, he's, like, reading all these prophecies and, like, Mm -hmm. he's trying to, like, you know, figure out, like, he, he, like, is doing all these things and he won't listen to her. And there's this beautiful moment where Nynaeve is like, he's desperate. Like, I he's trying. I was like, oh, Nynaeve. But then Maureen says, and I'm desperate. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because that's the thing is there are no good answers and there are no, like, happy outcomes. And I think she right. knows it. And she needs these kids to understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, she needs the naivete to go away because they are too deep into it. Like, they yeah. can't. Hope. I mean, it sucks, but I think this is Moiraine's perspective is like the best we can hope for is that we beat the shadow. Nothing else matters. Right, right, right. And then she tells them about this Terra Ingrial that she's considering using. Yo, she has to talk about foreshadowing. Like, man, it's she basically says, like, this is my last. This is my this is. If I can do nothing else because he will not listen to me and I do not want him being murdered, like shot in the back, poisoned, whatever, before he can do something because he's just sitting there. (laughs) Being stubborn. Being stubborn. I will have to use this Terangriel, which is like a doorway. So we know those doorways for when you are becoming accepted. Mm -hmm. And we know that those are like take you to alternate universes. This, it sounds like, is somewhere to like ask questions and get answers, but obviously for a price yeah. and for a very intense price. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a lot. It's so much. So basically it's the doorway that you go through and you can ask three questions 
you have to ask three questions. You have to get three answers. Your questions cannot be frivolous, but you don't know what that means. Right. They cannot really touch on the shadow, but how do you ask a question about the dragon reborn without touching the shadow? Which is why this is all her last resort, because, like, it's so complicated and potentially fraught. Mm -hmm. And so she tells them this because they're like, well, you should just do it. And she's like, oh, my God, do you think I'm an idiot? Like, do you think I don't know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you guys, just think. Just take a second and think before you do things. Yep. Um, and so they kind of are like, okay, so I guess that leaves us where we are. And mm. Moiraine's like, listen, you've got a few more days. Question them if you want. Like, but then you're going to have to figure out what you want to do um, based on what they say. Like, you're going to have to make the call. Right. The Amerlin gave you that right. power. Like, you are hunting them. Right. I have other stuff that I need to do. Right. With. Right. Yeah, and then they go back to talking about the relationship aspect because Elena's like, so did you mean it, Aguin, <laughs> that, like, you're not interested in him anymore? And they're, like, they, they like, talk about Berlin. They, like, hatch this whole plan to, like, you know, talk to Rand about it and, like, put him straight on, like, what's going on. And they're very, like, mean about Barrelane. Yeah. Like, this is what – it's very unnecessary. It makes that I, – I was really irritated. I was like, you don't yes. need – you don't need this. Like, you don't need this, like, women, like, being mean about other women. Like, I did yeah. not care for it. They it's also, very mean girl. It's very mean girl. It's very mean girl. They also mention um, her mom, Elaine's Morgay's, and Lord Gabriel. And they're like, that's probably exaggerating. And you're like, He's not. That's going to end really badly. Yep. Oh. But they do kind of get to this where Elaine's like, I am in love with Rand. Mm-hmm. I want to marry him. <laughs> and I'm like, you have not spent you have not more than 15 minutes with him. Have you ever had a conversation with him? Like outside of when he fell into your garden. I know. When was the last time you spoke? but i did like this like her kind of realizing like listen push comes to shove like i am not gonna throw away what we're doing for this guy like i recognize his duties he's gonna have to recognize mine which i do feel like they're putting the cart before the horse a little bit you know whatever <laughs> and I will say there's this nice moment where they're like, I can't believe I'm worrying about this given like the Black Aja yes. and whatever. And like Nynaeve again with like some wisdom here. It's like, you know, we have to go, but like feelings are important too. And like you might as well do something about them while you still can. Uh, then we get to chapter seven, which I loved this <laughs> it did feel like i was like oh it's our teen movie rom-com moment yes, like came back, came like, back. They, they walk into Rand's room and he's like sitting in a chair like in his shirt sleeves yeah. leg thrown over one of the arms reading a book <laughs> it felt very like oh hello i didn't see you there <laughs> me an intellectual <laughs> And they they kind of come in and Egwene and, you know, Rand tries to be like, 
Egwene's like, we want to try to help. Like, I know Moiraine says this, whatever. And Rand's like, what? Help? How could you help? And there's this very sweet moment of them, like, having memories back and forth of what they used to go through in Amon's Field together as kids, which is really nice, right? Like, I love those very lived-in beats that we get. Yeah. Um, And Rand is, I feel like Jordan walks a really great line here with Rand, where he is, like, kind of manic, but he's also trying really hard to be normal. Yeah. And so you see seeds of, like, that person that Egwene fell for. Mm -hmm. And you can see why Elaine likes him as much, even Mm -hmm. though he's just like, oh, you can read this book for me. Oh, are you here for this? And you're like, oh, kid. Kid. (laughs) Oh, buddy. (laughs) But, yeah. So they're like, no, no, we're here to teach you channeling. Or we're going to try anyway. Because we, like, don't believe that Moiraine's right about this. Like, we feel like there's got to be a way we can help you. And then we get this, like, weird sort of quote-unquote lesson where they figure out like in fact my reign is right surprise like they well, really they, they do get it a li- they push it a little bit right like rand obviously is going back and forth between like being really suspicious but yeah. also fine like even though he doesn't think it'll do anything he's willing to like whatever and it's very sweet at the beginning right where it's mm-hmm. like can you feel us channeling and they find out that he can right they can't feel him channeling mm-hmm. there's some teasing back and forth which is very cute and then, of course, like, oh, I almost skipped over this moment where Egwene is like, I'm stronger than Moiraine, so, like, let me show you. But she touches, <laughs> we get the perspective of her touching that wound in Ooh, his side, yeah. and it's bad news. Yeah, it was a good moment. That's a good moment. Like, she, she's, she thinks that maybe she can do something, and she touches it very briefly with the power, and it's like, all the darkness in the world is like in Rand's side and it's just being held in by this very thin layer of scar tissue. So tough. And she's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) And then they have this like kind of moment back and forth um, of Rand being like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not working. I know it's not working. Fine. You want me to show you it's not working? I'll show you it's not working. And then, of course, it escalates. Yeah. And gets real dark real fast. Yeah, he, like, lifts them up into the air. A bunch of, like, tables start dancing. Like, things are erupting. And then everything bursts into flame. And, you know. He's like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I didn't didn't mean to do that. Like, you asked me to do something bigger. So, whoops. It it has been interesting, though, because we've been watching Rand and Egwene kind of parallel, like, getting to know their powers, Mm. right? And Egwene. And they've had similar moments where Egwene is like if I see it once I can figure out how to do it Rand is like if I see it once I can figure out how to do it but now we really see the differences in how academic Egwene approaches it and how instinctual Rand does and how it limits them both Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like I really enjoyed it right like I really enjoyed like one getting all of the like nuances of the power conversation Mm -hmm. that we're we get to have um and then also seeing that like even though we might think it would be easier for Egwene to teach and to help. It doesn't work in this moment. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. So then they go from this, uh, you know, attempt at teaching to talking about like how they experience the power, which like, again, is like, okay, so we, there's some similarities, but there's some differences and, you know, what works for Rand is not going to work for them. And it's, there's this nice moment where Egwene is like, 
you know, Rand is like kind of letting them off the hook. He's like, well, you tried. Like, I think oh, no. thanks for trying. And Egwene's like, well, we're going to find a way. And Elaine's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And they're just so unwilling to give up. And, uh, and, and he's like, you, you will do it. Yeah. You will, I, I believe, but, you, but you've got other stuff to do, right? Like you've got like dark friends to question. It's so sweet. And then Egwene is like, well, before I go. P.S. P.S. I'm not going to marry you. I'm not in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> Which, But I kind of appreciated the way this was handled. Yeah. Because Rand recognizes where he's like, it did hurt my feelings, but I'm glad it happened. But it still sucks. But it's still good. But also, we there was this moment we skipped over earlier where... Rand has been thinking mm-hmm. that he needs to tell Egwene they're yeah. not like that she's free and that you know he, they shouldn't get married or whatever because he his feelings for her have changed. So it's like it's it's cool to see him be like, oh yeah, like I was gonna say that to you, and I'm, Egwene's like, ah, oh, that's sweet. Like, that's cute. That's cute. I almost believe you. That's <laughs> <laughs> very cute. I will say one thing we didn't touch on is that like the way that these two girls are are like trying to manipulate the situation. Yes. Is both like hilarious and annoying. Like Egwene is wearing like her plainest dress and like a shawl. So she's like all covered up. And Elaine is like wearing like sapphires and like a low cut gown as if they're trying to be like, look, you don't want Egwene anyway. Like look but how it much feels very young. Is. Like it does right? feel it very teeny. So yeah. It feels very age appropriate for them to like think yeah. that this is how they need to do it right right um i so, do, like they're I, gonna have an honest conversation with him but also but, but also <laughs> they're, they're gonna like put whatever stack whatever decks they can in yes. that corner right yeah. um and then the chapter this is all from Egwene's perspective yes um and so she is like okay well peace i'm getting out of here right and deliberately leaving elaine behind yeah um but the chapter ends with a, a classic jordanism of mm-hmm. like anxiety right but with some hope which is really nice of like that horrible wound and the madness were problems for later but they would be dealt with eventually somehow everyone said two rivers men were stubborn but they could not match two rivers women and i was like yes (laughs) i love it again with the gender binary but i I do love the invocation of the stubbornness as a like we're gonna figure this out as a positive thing yeah um all right so chapter eight Oh, so we kick off. This is so cute. <laughs> I love it. It's really cute. It is really cute. It's really cute. It's like Elaine and she's it's like, <laughs> she's like, she doesn't even think he realizes she's still there. Yeah. And then he turns around and she sees him like panic. <laughs> he notices her. And it just feels like remi- it's just a wonderful reminder of like, they are these young people, right? Like when mm-hmm. she's like, you need to – don't call me like my lady. Call right. me Elaine. And he says Elaine. And it's, he spoke awkwardly yet delightfully as if he were savoring the name too. <laughs> Look, it's so cute. And then he tries to make her flowers. Oh, my God. This killed me. So he, there's like – he exploded some pillows earlier and there's feathers all over the place. And he's like, oh, oh, I can make you a flower. Like he like picks up these feathers. He's like, I did it for the for the Majir, you know, the, the housekeeper. Um, I, I'll totally make you one. But like he can't do it in the moment. Can't like he can't know. do it. It's and he's, so he's like, oh, well, okay, uh, that didn't work. But like here's this like fancy piece of cloth I accidentally made like maybe you could make something with it i know and she's just like 
I love that she's just like, oh my god, this is so cute. Right. I can't handle it. And then he, she just straight up is like, do you like me? Yes. It feels like like it's like the conversational version of like the note that says, do you yes. like me? Circle yes Check or no. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And he's like, what? Of course uh, I like yeah, you. Yeah, I like she's you. like, no, 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 no. But do you like, like me like yes. me? He's like, I'm fond of you. And then I love just how much power Elaine has in this moment because she's just like, I want you to kiss me. Right. And you're like, oh. wow. It's great. It's cute. It's sweet. It's like one of the few instances where I think he nails it in terms of a partnership. Yes. Between the two of them. Yeah. Because it never feels like one has one is one-upping the other like it no. all feels very even right like elaine is nervous but she's like determined to like yeah. make it clear to him however she can and since like the talking is not working she's like all right well like how this is how much i like you i want you to kiss me. like i want you to put your face on my face like put is your that face clear on my face immediately for, is that clear enough for you <laughs> and he's like being super awkward and she's like i'm sorry if i made you uncomfortable like you know uh like i don't mean to like make and then he like then they're kissing of i course. know it's very cute <laughs> super cute it's so cute and then like they kiss a little bit mm -hmm. and they're both like breathless <laughs> <laughs> and then she kind of has this moment of like don't say anything that you cannot mean mm -hmm. I will like I will be here and then I'm I this is again where I'm just like you didn't need to bring Berylaine into this like yeah. it worked so yep. well without it because she keeps comparing herself mentally yeah. to Berylaine she's like oh Berylaine would have done this or Berylaine this and or that like it cheapens it a little bit yeah it does and she's also thinking about Min's mm. visions of, like, she said, well, I was going to share him. Who am I sharing him with? Like, what is happening? So I think that's part of it. But it's so much focus on Barrelane. And you're I like, Barrelane doesn't even freaking matter. Yeah, just get over it. Um, but she is saying that, like, I will come back and I am the one who sees you, which mm -hmm. is really nice. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I like how. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I like that she, like, stops him before he can get there and is like, also, don't say you're too dangerous for me. Yes. Yes. Like, don't don't pull that nonsense. Right. Like, I appreciate that now. you didn't say it and also never say it. Yeah. yeah. We're we're in it now. Okay. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, then there's this part where Rand is like, hey, did you and we, like, coordinate this? <laughs> she's like, and no, she's what? like, what? I would never. never. I so offended. Like, how could you think that we, and, like, uh, that's exactly what you're doing. That is 100% what you're doing <laughs> um and so as she's leaving like the tarian lords are coming in and yeah. she's kind of feeling like very good about what happened <laughs> yes but she has this moment where she looks back and sees rand like in the midst of all these lords and you're kind of reminded again of not only that he's the dragon reborn and they're you know kneeling to him and like whatever but that he's a kid who's doing this yeah, and, and he's like a sheep herder, as he yeah. keeps saying. Like he is from the two rivers. He does not know what he's doing, but he has somehow grown into this person who like commands respect mm -hmm. and actually does have power to exercise and is exercising it. Yep. 
Um, (laughs) Go ahead. And I loved this next section where we're getting Rand like reeling a little bit. He's like very distracted, obviously, because he just like kissed Elaine and he's like, and then, but this thing with Egwene and his feelings are a little hurt, but then he kissed Elaine and like, and then in the meantime, they're like complaining about taxes. And he's like, what is happening? (laughs) There's a lot going on. It is. It's a lot going on, but it's a great segment to like, again, reiterate that this is a kid who is having to like take on responsibilities he might not be ready for but he's gonna do it right mm. like he goes through this tumultuous sort of like emotional thing where he's like Elaine and Egwene da, 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 da. and then he's like okay you know what just cut the taxes figure this out yeah this just is what it. you're gonna do just, just do, do it, it. Yep. like I try to talk to you guys and you don't listen like mm-hmm. I try to have a conversation and you don't listen so we're not going to have a conversation, and I'm just going to tell you what to do. Yeah. It's great. It's really good. And then we switch back to Egwene, and this is another good oh, section, I thought. My goodness. <laughs> like, like we were saying earlier, I think this external perspective from Matt really, yeah. really works because it keeps us on our toes, but we still get the Matt that we've come to really enjoy, right? Like he, at this point now – what were you going to say? That was a deep breath. Yeah, I was just going to say the other thing I love about this is that we've had like Egwene and Perrin. Mm-hmm. We've had Egwene and, and Rand. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've had much of Egwene and Matt enough. solo time. And yeah, like I agree. really got a full sense of, you know, what their dynamic is like. And it's so like sort of sibling-y yeah. in a way that I find really lovely. And I just I just appreciated that we got this moment with these two characters specifically. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have worked with anyone else. Like he could not have had this conversation with Nineveh. Right. It, it shows a level of trust mm-hmm. between him and Egwene. Yeah. That he doesn't hold for other people. Right. 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 Um, Because he has those connections in Elaine and Nanave in terms of needing somebody who like kind of is on the inside but isn't on the inside. Um, But Egwene is the one he chose to go to. And she's a little surprised by it, too, which I kind of like. She's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. We haven't done this in a while, but all right. So – I didn't like this idea of them, like, I'm glad this happened off page of them taking the letter back from him forcefully that oh, yeah. Amberlin gave them. I was like, okay, you guys, he he worked really hard to make sure you guys didn't get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it like, just goes along with that whole weird thing that we talked about on the last yeah. episode of them, like, yelling at him for rescuing them yeah. from the dungeons. Like, Very it's all irritating. nonsense. Yeah. Um, so... He comes to her and he – it seems like he's kind of come to the choice or not choice that he's not going to leave. Mm-hmm. But he wants her advice and he can't quite even get the question out of like he just needs – it's not even advice he's really looking for. It's guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I hope you're not going to try to leave. Like, you're important. We need you. And he's like, I know. And also I can't I even if I wanted to. But but then he brings to her this this the real concern is that he doesn't understand like he he wants to know about the holes in his memory yeah. he wants to know what comes next like why is he talking in the old tongue like he has to know and he's a and you get this moment of real vulnerability he says I have yeah. to know before I go as crazy as Rand and you're like oh my I god know. buddy yeah it's really and so she has this like thing where again he like they're all very resistant to asking Moira in for help yeah. Um, and 
he's like, isn't there anything you can do to help me? And she's like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't. And I liked this moment where he laughs. Yeah. When when she says she's so sorry, he laughs. And she says his laugh reminded her of their childhood just so he had always laughed when his grandest expectations went astray. And I think that's why I like Matt so much, right? Mm-hmm. Is he is determined to exist in a certain way and it doesn't matter what happens around him he will continue to exist in that way yeah yeah right um but because he is asking for help she tells him this oh my god i can't even i know again i was like oh you're so young yeah she tells him about the tear angriel that my rain told them about right and like he's trying to impress upon him like the seriousness of it like you can't just ask frivolously there's all these rules you can't ask about the shadow and like you can't take it lightly Matt like and he's like like I would but you're like oh yeah. my god you're telling Matt. Matt 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 have you met Matt like come on I've met Matt and <laughs> I know it's not a good idea no. I've known him for five minutes yeah and she's like well promise me that you won't go in without asking Moiraine he's like obviously I'm not, not. I'm like you're oh my god God, could you have set it up any more like now? Obviously, he's going to go do this thing. He's going to go do this thing. It's Matt. It's Matt. And I mean, the chapter does end with uh, like Matt's promise. He he doesn't actually promise what he's what Egwene is trying to ask him for. She says, promise me you will not go near that Terra Angriel without asking her permission. And he says, I promise I won't go near that thing unless my life depends on it. I swear. Which is Mm -hmm. not Not what what she she asked. (laughs) Ooh. And she shakes her head because she knows Matt. She knows. But also, like, talk about a setup. Like, girl, what girl. are you doing? No. Girl. Overall, like, okay, overall, slow start but strong finish to this section. Yeah. And, I mean, clearly, I mean, we've been talking about it now for, like, an hour and a half, like, more than an hour and a half. There's a lot of, it's all set up, really. Yes, it is a lot of setup. Set up. It's, like, info dumping. I mean, maybe not info dumping, per se, but we're getting a lot of information that is all going to, th- hopefully, be relevant in the near yeah. future uh, about what, what, like, here's the calm before the storm, as it were. Mm-hmm. But hopefully it doesn't take another, like, 20 chapters to move that along. Uh, keep an eye out for future episodes every other Wednesday. Next time, we will be talking about chapters 9 through 16 of The Shadow Rising. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll be able to get it in under an hour. We'll see. <laughs> we might have to cut these down to seven chapters. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, if you want to follow along with the conversation, you can follow along at hashtag Tarvalin or Bust, mostly on Twitter, but also on Tumblr and Instagram occasionally. Um, or... Our Patreon. Yes, we do have a Patreon. Did you know? And we would love to thank our Patreon supporters, Jetlag Jessica. Oh, this is this one new one is my favorite. Support your local library. Yes. Cosine. <laughs> Sam S, David U, Amy R, Meridim, Mimi K, Amanda, Mark D, Heather J, Christina M, Malia H, Keith, Sarish G, Olivia K, Joshua S. Nicholas E, Michelle S, Michelle D, Danae, Destination Toast, Cat S, Jericho W, Sabre Bouquet, Thomas K, Elizabeth F, Emily, Evans K, Old J, 
Ola J. Let's try that again. <laughs> Yulia S. and Brian D. And if you would like to come along and hang out on Patreon with us, it is patreon.com slash bust. We post for each episode. Sometimes we post some extras. There's some comments over there, which are fun. And our level is a dollar. It's a dollar a month. We're just trying to pay server fees over here. Uh, and a big thank you to Brian Dunn, fellow Wheel of Time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at BrianDunnMusic.net. That's Brian with a Y and Dunn with two N's. And if you are enjoying the show, please do leave us a review and or rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps other folks to find the show. We so appreciate it. And we also read them on air because they're so nice when they happen. It's so nice. Uh, and then in between shows, you can find us on social media. Preeti, where are you? Uh, I am everywhere. Uh <laughs> Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Tumblr, uh, at Run With Skizzers. That's S K I Z Z E R S. And then work you can find me in uh, today because this is this episode is dropping on Wednesday, August eighteenth. My Zatanna comic is in stores. It's Truth and Justice number seven, written by me and illustrated by Lalith Sharma with colors by Wendy Broom. If you are into DC, you can check it out. If you're not, it's a one-shot. It is one complete story. I would love for you to read it. Um, and then I am in an anthology called Battle of the Bands, which takes place during a Battle of the Bands. And it comes out September 6th, I think. And is getting rave reviews already. <laughs> Start reviews. Hooray! Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J E N N I R L. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, I am Jen IRL. And also, you can get Swordstone Table, the anthology that I co edited along with Swapna Krishna. And Preeti has a story in it, and it's all yeah. Arthurian retellings. Excuse me, Arthurian retellings. <laughs> and it's super fun. And the New York Times liked it, which I sound that over. It was in the New York it Times. It was in the New York Times. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, that's some information for you. Uh, this episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. Bye! Bye!